Rinkwide Vancouver. The Vancouver Canucks ensured that it's going to be a happy holiday for their fans as they defeat the San Jose Sharks 7-4 at Rogers Arena in the final game before a brief holiday break. And the Vancouver Canucks are going to go into that Christmas period as the top team in the National Hockey League. The most points, the most regulation wins, the best goal differential, and the most goals scored in the National (laughs) Hockey League. It uh, really has been an incredible first 35 games of this 2023-24 National Hockey League season. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. It's brought to you by Betway. Jeff Patterson joined once again by Irfan Gaffar. Wasn't necessarily pretty, given the level of competition. The Canucks probably worked a little harder than they wanted to, especially given the fact that they opened the scoring with a couple of quick ones off the stick of Andre Kuzmenko. That got the people into it, but then a back-and-forth hockey game, a little sloppy. Uh, But at the end of the night, uh, you chalk it up as another win, the 23rd of the season for this Vancouver juggernaut. It's absolutely wild, Jeff, (laughs) when you really look at it. The Canucks are the first Canadian team since the 2005 Ottawa Senators to sit atop of the overall standings in the NHL at Christmas. <laughs> oh, five. Like, there's been a, there's been some good Canadian teams. This one has just been that much better in that much time. And you mentioned it, it wasn't pretty, but uh, in the end, a W is, is a W. And they got contributions. Well, I'm sure we're going to dive right into it from a lot of different players and a lot of different players going through a lot of different... Uh, types of situations on this on this hockey team, and it all got started basically 94 seconds into this game, Jeff. Yeah, and Andre Kuzmenko <laughs> obviously was and has been the story really for much of this first 35-game stretch, but really the last couple of weeks, and this week particularly with the healthy scratches, gets back in the lineup, and what did Rick Tockett want him to do? He wanted him to shoot the puck, <laughs> and he did that off the rush. Quinn Hughes with an incredible breakout pass to spring Elias Pettersson down the left wing. Hughes doesn't get an assist, but man, that play doesn't happen if they don't break the puck out uh, the way that they did. Pettersson into the middle. Mikheyev got a piece of it, so Mikheyev gets the primary helper, and Andre Kuzmenko pulls the trigger. 134 out of the hockey game, and big celebration for him. Third straight game, by the way, at Rogers Arena. For all the talk of, you know, should he be in the lineup? Where should he play? That's three straight games at home now. He scored against the uh, Tampa Lightning and the Florida Panthers as well. Those were first period goals, and here... Opens the scoring 94 seconds into the hockey game, almost matches his jersey number, and then was up to it again on the power play. Uh, Nifty little deflection, the JT Miller shot, and so 2-0 Canucks. Two goals by Andre Kuzmenko, up to eight on the season, and I don't know if it kind of looked like the Canucks looked across, saw the teal, and thought, yeah, these are the last play Sharks. This one's going to be easy. We're cruising to a 2-0 lead seven minutes into the hockey game, because for the rest of that first period, the Canucks were not very good. And San Jose pulled even with a couple of quick goals themselves, uh, three minutes apart. Yeah, Duclair and Hurdle were able to even the game up. But uh, on Kuzmenko, I think putting him into the game was obviously a plan of Rick Tockett's, you know, get PGG out of the lineup. Kuzmenko goes back in and is immediately elevated to the top line, put in a position to succeed. He also feasts on the San Jose Sharks, right? He's got 10 points against them in his career, fifth goal in seven games against the San Jose Sharks. So yes, okay, they've been a lowly opponent (laughs) the last couple of seasons, but it's funny. When you ask players sometimes when they play against certain teams and they look at that other jersey color, they say, you know what, I'm going to have a night tonight. And it might might have been one of those things for Kuzmenko, but you're right, for the rest of that first period, the team did not look good. I thought Thatcher Demko was a little bit shaky in the game. Maybe not not his best game. Again, the W's a W, and they did win, and they're sitting at the top of the standings, but we're here to break down the game, obviously. I don't think it was Demko's best game. I, I don't think he will think it's his best game ever, but it proves to 11-0-0 all time against San Jose. So there's that. Yeah, the declare goal that gives the Sharks a little bit of life, gets them on the scoreboard. Uh, nice work by Marcus Grandlin. Um, Michael Grandlin. Michael, Mikhail Grandlin, yes. yes. <laughs> Old habits die hard. Yes. Uh, we saw a little bit of Marcus here in Vancouver, but that, of course, is his brother. Uh, with the center drive, creating a screen, and the Duclair shot, a seeing eye job right through the bodies, and really Thatcher Demko couldn't see it, didn't see it, uh, and it's in the back of the net. But then moments later, Tyler Myers loses a battle to Thomas Hurdle. Mm-hmm. That can't happen. It did, unfortunately, and Thomas Hurdle, you know, one of the few guys that does score with some regularity for this San Jose Hockey Club, and he was able to shovel it past Thatcher Demko, kind of got Demko to open up and and was able to put it home. And so where once it was a 2-0 lead, and it did look like the Canucks were going to cruise, and I think some people probably had visions of that 10-1 romp on the 2nd of November, 
Now, all of a sudden, the Canucks are back in a tie hockey game, and it's like, hey, what happened here? Uh, there weren't many shots in the first period. The shots were tied 5-5, and the game was tied to all. I do want to talk about Demko as we go here, but we'll save that just as we kind of go through the way this night unfolded. The other thing to mention, two ends of the ice, Andre Kuzmenko scores the first two goals for the Canucks, but he's on the ice yeah. for the two San Jose goals in that period. Now, I'm not pinning them on him, but that line with Elias Pettersson giving up goals to the San Jose Sharks team that's the lowest scoring team in the National Hockey League. And so as much as the goals are great and they're fun and the celebrations and everything else, if Kuzmenko is going to hold on to his place in this lineup, there are some details. We know that. I mean, the coach has been preaching that, and, and that's why he uh, had to sit down a couple of times. So, again, I'm not sure that he was at fault for either of those goals, but that line needed to do better defensively. So, uh, on the night, Kuzmenko's on the ice for three of the four San Jose goals, and that's, again, something that the coaching staff, you know, the fans, they'll get excited about the fact that, yeah, he put pucks in the net and he's yeah. up to eight, and maybe he's breaking out of his funk here, but I thought it was telling too when it was five to four and the Sharks pulled their goaltender and Canucks made it six to four on the suitor goal. Did they ever get their goaltender out at five to four? Maybe they didn't. Whatever the case, the goalie comes out. Quinn Hughes scores into an empty net, but Kuzmenko's sitting on two and the possibility of his second career hat trick. And he didn't see the ice uh, with a chance to to seal the deal there. And I think that kind of tells you yeah. still that this is very much a, a work in progress. Well, he could have sealed the deal in the first period. He had a chance for that three minutes true. left. He was yep. right in front of that. Oh, you're put, right. He didn't put that one in. But, I mean, you look at that line as a whole. Elias Pettersson, seven shots, also minus two on the night. So, as much as it was uh, Kuzmenko is going to focus in on him, it was the line that wasn't very good defensively. And, that's kind of becoming a little bit of a knock here on Elias Pettersson a little bit is he's not a matchup guy per se. Like, and I know it's the San Jose Sharks and it's, you know, this is a team that they should dominate. But when, if you start to see that and that become a trend, then what do you do if you're Rick Tockett, right? Are you, are you matching him up with other lines or, or, or what, or what, or what kind of are you doing here? But at the end, you know, you go into the break after 20 minutes, you're all tied up and then, you know, Rick Tockett obviously says what he has to say, and then the team came up flying in the third period again. And it was the role players that were that were that were doing their thing. Yeah, and just look at who scored the goals <laughs> for the Canucks after Kuzmenko. You know, Neil Zaman scored on the road trip. Now he's got two on the season. Great setup by Teddy Bluger and a great play by Bluger at the tail end of a penalty kill to break up a play and then uh, move up ice and obviously uh, sets up Amon there. Uh, Sam Lafferty. Up to nine goals on the season before Christmas. Nine goals, Sam. Nine goals, Sam. Uh, double deflection because uh, the Ian Cole shot hit uh, former Canuck Justin Bailey and then Lafferty's stick and uh, goes in behind Mackenzie Blackwood. So at that point, you're thinking, okay, they've learned. They gave away the two-goal <laughs> lead. Now they're up by two. They'll get this thing sorted out, but not so fast because Fabian Zetterland off the rush against the Hughes and Heronic pair, and Nils Hoaglander didn't make the best defensive play there. I mean, you've got a stick that has a blade on it. Use that to defend rather mm -hmm. than try to put his stick down flush to the ice, but uh, wasn't able to intercept that pass, and Sutherland had no problem beating Thatcher Demko there. But then the goal the Canucks kind of needed in this hockey game, and that was, uh, guess who, the line of Joshua Garland and, and Bluger, and what a pretty goal that was. Garland sets up Joshua the other night in Dallas with a, a nice pass, and here again, enter the zone, look off the defender, slide it across to Dakota Joshua with 47 seconds to go in that second period, restores the two-goal lead, and you kind of figured, all right, now it's going to be home and cooled for the Canucks. It wasn't, but... Uh, Again, that line, the way that they're going, the way they're contributing and producing, and for Dakota Joshua, up to nine goals now on the season as well. So, yeah, depth and balance scoring has uh, carried the day for the Canucks here the last little while and certainly uh, did again tonight, and they weren't done because Pia Suter, uh, you know, in limited ice time because he missed 14 games, he's up to six goals now, a nifty deflection off a face-off win. And, you know, it wasn't a great night for the star players on this Vancouver team, and yet Elias Pettersson has a couple of assists, JT Miller with a couple of helpers, and Quinn Hughes in on the final two goals, so two more points for Quinn, including the empty netter and up to double digits. Uh, Rasmus Dahlin in Buffalo became the first defenseman earlier in the day to get to 10 on the season, and Quinn had been sitting on nine for quite some time. Doesn't matter how you get them. 10 is 10 before Christmas, yeah. and double digits uh, you know, for the first time in his National Hockey League career, and we all said that just too talented, pucks on his stick, he means too much to this offense, that double digits certainly felt like 
that should be the bare minimum. And here he is before Christmas, the game before Christmas, getting his 10th goal of the season. So even on a night when the stars weren't dominant, they all pick up their points yeah. and you know that'll help them continue to push towards the top of the NHL scoring race. But really, this was a win on the backs of uh, some of those guys a little bit lower in the lineup. We have to start thinking of a name for the Bluger Joshua Garland line, like the help line. You know, when, when, when Tockett needs something, he sends him out, whether it's offensively or defensively. I saw your tweet, Jeff, 28 points combined in their last 10 games, that line alone. Like, those are some pretty ridiculous numbers for a line when you really look at it and say, those guys shouldn't be scoring that much. You know, their, their, their primary job is probably to keep the puck out of their net. And what they're doing is, is they're giving the Canucks and Rick Talkett and his staff a whole new look offensively, to be completely honest. And Dakota Joshua, I'm saying it right now, he's getting two million bucks. It's somewhere. I, I, I really do believe that if he can, if he can keep this up and maybe not the pace of what he's scoring at right now, but if he's getting a goal every three games, maybe four games, he keeps that pace up. You're probably looking at at least, you know, $1.82 million somewhere. It's going to be tough, but I've always said it. Guys in contract seasons will always, will always, always play their best. And yeah, Quinn Hughes, another multi-point game for him. Was it 68th <laughs> of his career? Ties the club record held by Alex Edler. And Quinn Hughes is very, very young. He is going to absolutely destroy that record when it's all said and done. But uh, yeah, a little sloppy at times. They got it done. Pia Suter obviously, you know, gets elevated to that line and then he scores right yeah. away. So that's one of those things. Just the way that they were able to kind of close it out at the end. Things kind of got hairy, but, you know, Quinn used deflection. It was like one of those pop flies. Just saw it. He's like, I'm going yep. for it. I thought Demko was going to go for it. And when he got we the were, puck, he kind of looked yeah. and I was like, is he going to go? Well, with a, yeah. I mean, a two goal lead. Two goal lead. I think there is a, a green light. I mean, we were all talking to Long Press Row. I mean, you know, would. Kuzmenko get the opportunity, yeah. and then somebody had said, hey, how about Demko? And I was like, yeah, I'm all for it. Why not? Game before Christmas, there was a pretty good uh, vibe yeah. in the building. Uh, the mood is back. And, I mean, the Canucks home record is something that I uh, want to talk about, and you're going to hear from Rick Tockett on uh, that as well. 13-3-1. And, and, again, this one was not a masterpiece, and, yes, it's the Sharks and the Canucks finished the season series, 3-1. and one. The one, obviously, a bit of a blip, but... They do take six of eight from San Jose. And this is a team that had 19 home ice wins all of last season. And here they are with 13 from the 17 games they have played. So people getting their money's worth. The, the stars early in the season were just so dominant and put on so many shows. And here of late, it is guys like D Dakota Joshua. It's been Sam Lafferty. It's uh, Teddy Bluger stepping up. Pia Suter. Uh, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned the, the Pia Suter goal. Uh, with five minutes to go, it's a one-goal game. So the Sharks are a shot away from tying it up again. And yeah, off the the offensive zone faceoff, it's Pia Suter out there, sort of as a defensive conscience, yeah. replacing Nils Hoaglander <laughs> with Miller and Besser, and then a nifty deflection of the Quinn Hughes shot after JT wins the faceoff cleanly. So you know, strategic move by Rick Tockett, and it pays off with some offense. And at that point, you know, for the final time tonight, the Canucks could exhale with a six four lead, and then they win it going away seven to four is the final. But it's a lost season for the Sharks. We know that. Anytime you get off to an 0 10 and 1 start, you're climbing uphill. They've been better of late. They've been closer to a 500 hockey team over the last 20 games or so, but it's still going to be a struggle uh, down the stretch. Uh, there's a lot of hockey still to be played, but uh, give those guys credit. The final game before Christmas on the road when they're down too early, it would have been easy if they had packed it up and said, hey, it's not our night. Uh, you know, five straight losses now for San Jose, but they were plucky. They were game and they pushed the Canucks, but ultimately the Canucks. Had enough top-end talent. They had enough depth scoring to round it out. They get the job done. They go one for four on the power play. The only power play goal, only special teams goal of uh, this hockey game was uh, the second goal, the 2 nothing goal by Kuzmenko. So one for four on the power play, and the penalty kill was busy in the second period. It uh, was tested three separate times, and it was interesting that a couple of penalty killers in Joshua and Bluger both took <laughs> minor penalties, so that forced Rick Tockett to adapt as well. But, you know, back to Dakota Joshua for a sec. And it is going to be fascinating, and you do wonder if it sort of approaches that point where he is pricing himself out of uh, the Canucks range. Uh, I mean, I think he loves it here. I think uh, the tough love for McTalkin has mm -hmm. paid off. It's made him the player he is, and you just look at his month of December. But beyond the goals and assists, the fact that he has become one of the primary penalty killers for the Vancouver Canucks and leads this team and is among the league leaders in hits, like he has rounded out his game 
where he's a pretty damn complete hockey player now. And you're right, in a contract year, having the season that he's got with the nine goals before Christmas, uh, certainly people around the National Hockey League will be taking notes. So that's going to be one to watch. There's so many guys on expiring contracts. They can't all come back. And they certainly can't all get raises given the Canucks uh, cap crunch, even though the salary cap is going up. But the, the interesting part for me is that so much focus on Elias Pettersson needing his extension and Philip Hironik is second in line. But it makes it difficult for the Canucks yeah. to sort of get their books in order. In a perfect world, you know how much of a chunk of the salary cap Pettersson's taking up and then how much is uh, allotted to Philip Hironik. But it's tough to slot some of those other guys and in a system where every dollar matters, you don't, I mean, that this is what got the Canucks in trouble over the last decade is overpaying guys lower in their lineup. Dakota Joshua certainly in for a raise is just a question of uh, what that dollar figure. And I'm sure he wants some term for the first time really in his national, you know, I'm a bit of a late bloomer. Yeah. And so 27 going on 28, uh, I think it is dollars, but I think he's probably going to be looking for some term on top of that. Yeah. We don't even, touch Nikita Zadorov is going to need a contract exactly, as well but yes. we can get into that as well I think one of the things that's evolved about Dakota Joshua's game and what I've really noticed his year is he's not taking any dumb penalties he took the minor today he didn't he had a penalty against uh Chicago on the 17th and that's it he didn't have a penalty um before that until early in the month and then he was on a strong string of sitting in the box right so I think I think the discipline in his game has, has changed a lot and I think that goes with just that line kind of evolving into what they are now and then being able to go out and be dependent on. He knows he does, can't get into trouble because he's going to be on the ice all the time. And along with uh, Garland and, and 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 Teddy Bluger, you know, it's a pretty disciplined line. They're putting the puck in the net now. Um, dare I say, maybe if not one of the best, if not the best, third line in the National Hockey League right now with the way they're contributing? Yeah, I, I think the argument yeah. certainly can be made. And uh, again, you know, it's funny, and I'm not here to poke at his game because the guy's among the National Hockey League scoring leaders and he did have a couple of assists ultimately on the night, but JT Miller's gone <laughs> seven without a goal and one in his last nine. Now, if you had told me that that was going to be the case in the month of December, I'd think, all right, like his production has slowed, power play has slowed as well, but the fact that JT has one goal and nine, like who cares right now? It's just a complete non-issue because so many other guys are picking up the slack. And again, that just speaks to the depth and the fact that it's not just depth because depth is depth for a reason, but uh, these guys are elevating their play. There's a consistency to their game and it's allowing the Canucks to get by when one of their top players and one of their best producers has gone a little bit cold here, certainly in the goal-scoring department. So I'm not worried about JT Miller. He'll score goals again in the National Hockey League, but he's had this cold December, and yet the Vancouver Canucks have picked up points in nine straight now, 7-0-2, and just no let-up for this team that uh, rolls into the Christmas break. And now, not that they're going to rest on their laurels, but they are going to rest a little bit. They've got one game on the 28th against the Philadelphia Flyers, and then they don't play again until the second, and that's the Ottawa Senators, and they have come through this stretch of the schedule since the 9th of November. This was their 23rd game in 45 nights. Like, if you think you've been listening to a lot of uh, Rinkwide, <laughs> you have, because the Canucks have been playing 23 and 45, not even every other night. I mean, these are pro athletes. That uh, It takes a lot to suit up on a nightly basis and put it out there on the line. And so uh, for them to have the record that they've got, to be sitting where they are, and have just come through this absolute grind of a schedule. Again, full credit to every member of the Vancouver Canucks organization, from management to the coaching staff, and ultimately the guys that are out there on the ice getting the job done. Yeah, I think that when you look at it, that that's exactly what it is. I mean, Rick Tockett's pretty good, and he's listening to his, you know, his his training staff and saying, "Okay, Quinn needs a day off." JT needs a day off. Tyler Myers isn't practicing today. We're going to give Demko the day off. And then it also goes into the mind of, you know, talking to Ian Clark and, and Ian Clark saying just about the goalies. Okay, well, Demko's not going to practice today, but we're going to do film. Dismiss your guy and we're going to get someone else to come uh, goalie for us in practice. And then with the forwards and the defense, I think it's just it's just team management right now that that is very good when you look at it and obviously it starts from right at the top with um you know Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin and their staff doing what they need to do but I give a lot of credit to, to Rick Tockett here I mean uh we you know talked about it a while ago like he's got to be up there for the way that this team has turned things around for the Jack Adams I mean the way that he's come in and the way that he's been able to turn this team from what it was a season and a half ago to two seasons ago 
to leading the National Hockey League at Christmas. It's wild. And he, other than, you know, the the superstars on this team, it's it's really just a collection of guys. Like, you know, you, you look at it and you say, is Dakota Joshua, Connor Garland, and Teddy Bluger, like, they're, they're not household names. I mean, they are here in Vancouver, but you look around the National Hockey League, they're not getting respect around the National Hockey League, but they should be now for what they're doing. And I think that that's a, that's a huge credit to what Rick Talk and his staff have been able to implement in, in this team. Yeah, and I think you just look over to the other side, and you've got three guys that played for the Vancouver Canucks in the last couple of years that yeah. were all expendable because this team knew it had to get better at the fringes. And with all due respect to Kyle Burroughs, you know, the Sharks offer him a three-year deal. Of course, you're going to take that. Oh, 100%. But they knew that Kyle Burroughs, while a good teammate and a depth guy, they felt that there were better options out there. And so they went and they chased an Ian Cole in the offseason, and they go and make the Zadorov trade. And, you know, credit to the pro scouting, because there had been a knock on pro scouting here for uh, certainly under the last regime. And it is at the fringes where they have really made some upgrades. Jack Stanika was expendable. Couldn't make this team, mm-hmm. send him down. You know, they did him a favor by moving him on and giving him a chance to get back into the National Hockey League, but it wasn't going to happen here. He had been passed on the depth chart by guys down in Abbotsford that were going to get the call up. And so when he got sent down, that was the last of him. But that's, you know, that shows the improvement that this team has made with some of its depth players. And, you know, Sam Lafferty for a fifth-round pick, as you said, <laughs> nine-goal Sam. I mean, that's looking like a stroke of genius from the part of the management. You know, Niels Amon didn't make this team out of training camp, but they call him up, and, you know, he's <laughs> playing ahead of Phil Giuseppe, and not just playing, but contributing and scoring in two of the last three games. And so, I mean, there have been upgrades across the board at some of those lower levels on the depth chart, and I think you're seeing that. I mean, it, the way the Stars started this year and burst out of the starting gate, was incredible. And you knew that they couldn't play at that pace, couldn't produce at that pace. And they haven't. You know, JT Miller slowing down a little bit. Quinn Hughes picking up points, but not at the same rate. I mean, Quinn Hughes had two-thirds of his points in the first uh, half of the games that he had played. And and so his production has dropped a little, and, and Elias Patterson as well. But that's what we're saying. They're, they're being supported by so many of the other guys now. And, and through it all, Brock Besser's been the regular. And you know, again, it doesn't matter that he didn't score in this game, but it would have been incredible if he got to 25 yeah. at the Christmas break. But he'll settle for 24, and 25 won't take him long after yeah. Christmas, I'm sure. And remember, this is a guy that had five or at Christmas a year yeah. ago. So it's just been uh, across the board. It's, it's hard to find, you know, really anybody that hasn't pulled their weight. And I say that. And let's dive into Thatcher Demko, who leads the NHL and wins. So I'm not here to suggest that he's not <laughs> pulling his weight, but he gives up four to the Sharks, gave up four the other night in Dallas, gave up three in Chicago. I mean, the Sharks and the Blackhawks are two of the worst teams in the National Hockey League, and some goals are starting to get past him. Mm-hmm. Again, he's got the luxury of run support. He got a single point in Dallas. He gets the victory here tonight, but you know, not as airtight as he has been. And, and quite frankly, I didn't love the goals that got past him in Dallas the other night. Here tonight, I said, the declare goal with Granlin going to the net and the Zetterlin goal, hard to pin that on the netminder. Again, just in totality, there's more goals than you would like getting. At times, Thatcher Nemco has looked almost unbeatable. And you think of Roberto Luongo, Ring of Honor, yeah. right? the shutout, the Florida Panthers, and the fact that he's got three shutouts but it does sort of feel like there's been a little bit of slippage in his game over the last week or so. Maybe it's just a little bit of a break. Maybe there is a little bit of fatigue and this is this break is going to be a little bit of a reset for him, but I agree. I mean, he's not going to like the save percentage from tonight right. or the last two, three games, to be completely honest. You know, he wants to keep the puck out of the net, and it's one of those things where he'll solve it, but it's not. I'm not going to sit here and say that it's it's a concerning and whatever. He leads in the league, like you <laughs> mentioned, in wins. He's probably, if not the Vesna favorite, right now among goaltenders in the National Hockey League. And it's just one of those things where if we have to pinpoint something of kind of what we were shaking our head at a little bit tonight, it would be the play of Thatcher Demko. I mean, he's not going to like a couple of the goals, but, you know, your your team's up 2 nothing, 2-1 goal, and then you make it 2-2 and you go, okay, now we're going to have to fight back here. It's usually he's the guy that gets you out of those games or out of those periods. Usually he's the guy that has your back. And sometimes, well, the last couple of games, he really hasn't been been that guy yet. 
He's lucky he's got everyone else in front of him pulling their weight because there's more W's than losses over the last little while. But it's just an interesting thing just to look at. And, you know, you kind of put a little asterisk beside it and say, okay, is this going to be something where we look back and say, is this part of the season where he turned around in the opposite direction or can he figure it out here over the breaking and then they can move forward and pass this? Giving up four, but he still made some yeah. key saves. He, when I look through the notes that I took at 2-2, after the Sharks said erase the 2-0 deficit, uh, Anthony Duclair, late stages of the first period, had a really good look, and Demko was there, uh, made himself big, made the stop that he was supposed to, and then a right pad save off Granlin when it was 5-3 to three in the third period. And again, they did score after that, but that might have given them a little bit of life, uh, started to come back a little bit sooner, and he was there to make that save. Uh, got a little bit of help as well. It was Zetterland, I think, that uh, rang one off the crossbar on the power play when it was a 4-3 hockey game. And, a nice shot. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, that one goes in, and, you know, again, it's tied, and wonder how that might have impacted things, but uh, the Canucks got a bit of a break there, and ultimately they rolled to a 7-4 victory. So uh, it is going to be a Merry Christmas for uh, Canuck players. Uh, three full days off. We think they get back to practice on the 27th and then play against the Flyers on the 28th. But the fact that they don't travel now, their next road game is January the 4th. So uh, with that rugged schedule that we just outlined, a chance now to kind of sit back and just decompress. And again, they can feel good about what they've accomplished. They know ultimately that no prizes are handed out for leading the league in any of these categories at the Christmas break. But man, it has set them up beautifully to certainly make the playoffs. But I think people now recognize that the goals have to be higher than that. With all of this work, to this point, the goal has to be trying to win the Pacific Division because that 2-3 battle, if the standings stay the way they are, I mean, the Canucks, Vegas, and Los Angeles, whoever doesn't win the division, like what an absolute dogfight in round one of the playoffs, the way the format goes. So uh, two versus three, you know, you're playing for home ice, certainly. Uh, you're playing to finish as high as you can. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's a real apple out there dangling or a carrot or pick your food, to finish atop the division to avoid that 2-3 playoff matchup. Yeah, I think that has to be their goal. I, I really do. I mean, playoffs are obviously are, are a site that's definitely there, but I think now the focus within this team should be, we're good enough to win this division. Let, let, let's go and do it. They're obviously a number of points above the LA Kings and, and, and the Vegas Golden Knights. They play them again, again, obviously this season. But um, yeah, I, I think that if you're the coaching staff here and, and you're, the, you're the players looking at this, you say, we're good enough to win this division. We're, we're, where we sit right now, might be you have some time for to reflect here and you look at it and say, okay, the first 30-something games of this season, we were good. We were really good. We're obviously where we are in the standings, but how much better can we be? And can we be that much better to win the division? I think that that should be the focus of this team now moving forward. Well, we're going to hear from the coach and a handful of players. We've still got our rink-wide Vancouver three stars to get to. We'll get to the stat that stands out, some listener feedback as well. So there's still lots ahead here on this final episode of Rinkwide before the Christmas break. Uh, before we go any further, though, it's time for our Betway bet of the day. And since the National Hockey League goes dark until some games on the 27th, we'll turn our attention to the World Junior Hockey Championship. Canada opens on Boxing Day against Finland. That's going over in Sweden. And Canada, a heavy favorite to, to open with a victory. You can get to Team Canada at plus 190 on the money line, that is your bet way. Bet of the day must be 19 plus. Please play responsibly. The Vancouver Canucks defeat the San Jose Sharks 7 4. The final score the Canucks are 23 9 3 with 49 points. And looking down at the other 31 teams in the National Hockey League standings, Merry Christmas indeed. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. Wide Vancouver, it's Jeff and Earth with you. 7-4, the Canucks defeat the San Jose Sharks. And we'll get inside the locker room now. I always like to hear the thoughts of uh, the head coach, Rick Tockett. And he's been asked a lot of questions about Andre Kuzmenko, and he was again uh, this hockey game. And first and foremost, uh, Tockett, with his thoughts on the overall performance and ultimately the effort in a 7-4 win. I mean, it's a game where, uh, you know, I, I give a lot of credit. They work hard. They can fr frustrate you, but... Uh... We hung in there. There were some moments there 
that we didn't like our game, but then, you know, you hung in there. We got seven goals and we win the game. You know, you're happy, you know, Merry Christmas to the guys. Three days off. They, they deserve it. And um, that's the way I look at the game. There you go. Giving credit to the San Jose Sharks. Mm-hmm. And again, they, they battled hard. Interesting there. He said three days off. There was some question about whether they would practice on the 27th or whether he'd give them an extra day. He'll take that out of his own mouth there. Three days off. That would suggest the 24th, 25th, 26th, and then probably back to work with a practice uh, maybe late on the 27th. Give the guys uh, that are scattering. I'm always, I always laugh at this too. I mean, these guys are <laughs> millionaires for the most part, uh, but some of them will race to the airport and try and grab a red eye and get out of here. And I'm thinking like, just bring your family out here, go to Whistler for a couple of days, like spend, spend some of that money and just stick around. Like yeah. it's such a short time to try to race and, you know, get back East to spend time with family. But uh, Hey, uh, to each their own. Three days off. We'll see what uh, Rick Talking does about a practice there on the 27th. Now, we talked about the home ice record. Uh, he was asked about that. Again, Bears repeating that uh, they are 13-3-1 at Rogers Arena this year. So you're not going to win every game on home ice, but they've come pretty damn close. And there'll be tougher tests ahead in the second half of the schedule. They haven't seen the Los Angeles Kings yet. Boston hasn't been through here. Winnipeg hasn't been through here. They've seen Vegas once, but uh, the champs have to come back again one more time as well. So lots of big games in the second half in January. You got the Leafs come through. That's followed by Connor Bedard on yeah. the 22nd. So January will be a, a fun and an interesting month as well. Eric Tockett uh, just talked about the importance of having uh, that sort of confidence that you're going to get the job done every time you step on the ice at home. Well, I think any good team or, you know, teams that are vying to go to the next level, you, you have to be good at home, hard to play against, identity. Um, and we're still chipping away at that, you know, where teams come in here. You know, there's certain buildings in the NHL, and you know you go in their building, it's tough to win. And we're trying to create that identity. Um, you know, whether it's stingy, doesn't give up much, you know, um, very, you know, consistency. And we're still trying to strive for that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, to get the next level, you have to have a good home record. And obviously, so far, it's it's been good for us. You know what I found interesting there in that response is twice he referred to trying to get to that next level. He knows that they're they're not there yet. I mean, they've, they've done so many good things in this first 35-game stretch, but ultimately, there is still work to do. And, and so, you know, he's not prepared to suggest that his team is, even though they're at the top of the standings, I think Rick Tockett recognizes that they're not quite yet a top tier team and certainly I think the way to prove that is with some playoff success and you can't do that until you yeah. get to the postseason but I just thought an interesting choice of words there that twice he referred to team trying to get to that next level well Rick knows you don't win anything for being the top of the league at Christmas right, right? You're, you we mentioned it on this you're, you're not handed out any sort of award or accolade or whatever you're you're a good hockey team right now and and he knows like he just said that they can get better. And I think for them now, their job is they need to look at every single one of those players and say, what do we need to have to do to player X, Y, and Z to get them to push them to be at their at their peak come when they need it the most? Obviously, and that's in March and April. Well, one of those guys that he has pushed is Dakota Joshua. <laughs> there were uh, the comments uh, in preseason, pre-season. about uh, has to be careful about his job. And then, of course, uh, with the Sharks here in town for this one, it was that game on November the 2nd. Joshua didn't get to have the fun down in the Bay Area. He was a healthy scratch that night, and uh, clearly he's taken that message to heart because he has been a different player since then, was good in November, but really has elevated his performance here in the month of December. And Dakota Joshua was just asked about uh, bringing that consistency, not just to the games, but ultimately within the games and onto the score sheet. Yeah, it's been nice to, you know, you know, see success and, uh, you know, just a big confidence boost um, from maybe where I was to, to where I am now. And, um, you know, moving forward, uh, this, this last couple months has gone a long way in my game and uh, just look to keep improving. Yeah, he calls uh, this run a, a confidence boost and you can understand why. And we talked about what it's going to mean for him financially, but uh, in the short term, uh, it's just been remarkable to see a guy that works hard, battles you know, as you said, there's just three guys. Like, there's nothing really special about them, but it's just wild to see three guys find that chemistry, and they are in a groove right now. Yeah, and I think that for Dakota Joshua, I think, you know, bef- before the season started, I think he was happy with being in the NHL. And then I think that he yep. went into training camp, 
And I think that, you know, obviously wasn't in shape or, or whatever, whatever was going on with, and Rick Tockett, you know, gave him that stern, basically you being for playing for your job here. And now I think he knows what it takes to stay in the NHL. Cause there's a big difference of making the league and being able to stay in it. And he's done a very good job of that. And like you just mentioned, that entire line has done a really, really, really good job of it. And I think that, you know, Dakota saw the writing on the wall very early in the season where you don't have a contract for next season. Your coach just called you out. You got healthy scratch in a game where you didn't get to have any fun and your team put up a million goals <laughs> against the San Jose Sharks. And now you're kind of seeing what it's like to be wanted on a team and what it's like to be depended on. And you're earning the trust of your head coach. And I think that that for a player can do wonders, especially to your confidence as, as it moves forward here for him. And as he looks for, you know, a, a financial raise, like or as we called it and and to see what his future looks like here in the national hockey league. Well, in 11 games in the month of December, he's got six goals and yeah. nine points. Pretty so, good. Yeah. Not bad. Uh, Elias Pedersen leads the team in the month with 13 points, but, uh, uh, there's Dakota Joshua, not that far behind. Teddy Bluger into double digits for the month as well with three goals and seven assists, so he's 10 points. And uh, Connor Garland, the other member of that line, uh, with those nine points. So what a run for those guys. And Ian Cole has been at this for a while, has bounced around, played for a lot of teams, played for a lot of good teams. That's one of the reasons the Canucks went out and got him. They wanted a guy that had that championship pedigree, that uh, had that veteran presence. And uh, Ian Cole was asked about the significance of getting contributions from guys lower in the lineup on some of those good teams that uh, he's had the good fortune to play on. Oh, it's huge. It's huge. You know, I had uh, heard somebody say at one time, right, that like come playoff time, like the top guys tend to cancel each other out um, and it's it's whose depth steps up. So, you know, going by that, uh, you know, I, I, I like the situation that we're in in, in that sense. Um, you know, Garland and, and, and Teddy and, and Dak have been fantastic for us. And, you know, you see Amr scoring tonight. Suits has been great for us. So there's there's a lot of guys up and down that lineup that have been really, really good. And whether they slot in with, you know, Millsy and Bess or with Petey or whomever, and then they go back down, they can still continue to produce, which is which is, uh, which is is a great sign. Interesting point there right off the top about mm-hmm. top-end guys canceling each other out in the playoffs. I think there is some truth to that. And so at that point, then it's who's got the better depth, who's got guys that kind of rise to the occasion and uh, and rise to the challenge. It's funny, too. There are so many guys right now that uh, Cole rattled them all off, all these depth. Poor Sam Lafferty. Yeah. Score the goal, didn't it? <laughs> it I'm, I'm having a little fun with Ian Cole here. I don't think there was any spite there. He didn't leave Sam Lafferty out. He just can't keep up with all the depth guys yeah. on the team that are coming through and scoring. And as we said, Nils Amon scores in this one. Joshua uh, Bluger with a couple of assists. Pia Suter has another goal. And yeah, Sam Lafferty uh, with his ninth of the season. So uh, these guys are feeling good about themselves. They've earned the break here. Uh, another solid team effort offensively at the very least when you score seven. And uh, they have scored in bunches <laughs> this year. When you think of 10 against the Sharks earlier, eight against the Oilers, uh, had a 5 nilling shutout win of the St. Louis Blues. Uh, they've had some nights where uh, the offense was going, and this was another one of them. And so, you know, it presents some challenges as we get to the rink-wide Vancouver three-star selection. The three stars, as selected by Hockey Night in Canada, they went with Andre Kuzmenko as the first star. And I was a little surprised at that. Uh, I was making my way to the elevator to get down to the, the locker room, and I heard them announcing the stars. And uh, when Kuzmenko was the first star, I know he scored the opening goals. And that at that point... Yeah, I mean, it looked like it was going to be a great storyline for the night, but we talked about two ends of the ice. Um, so I, that one surprised me a little bit. Uh, they've got Teddy Bluger as the second star, and Mario Ferraro played a ton for the Sharks. He had three assists. He was in on three other four goals. There's some talk about him being trade bait, perhaps. Uh-huh. And, you know, nights like this might get some attention. Uh, at 27 minutes and 43 seconds of ice time. So he said he was in on three other four goals. So... Uh, they go with Kuzmenko, Bluger, and Ferraro. I've got those three players. I've got them in a different order, though. I want Teddy Bluger. I just thought uh, the play that he makes on the Amon goal and then also figuring in the scoring on Dakota Joshua's goal in the final minute of the second period, that was such a big goal. If the Canucks go to the third at 4-3, to three, it kind of feels a little dicey. And, you know, there was a, a bit of a nervous energy, I think, in the building that people were expecting a blowout the way the game started. And so for Dakota Joshua to come through, set up by those two line mates, I just thought another really solid night for for Teddy Bluger. So I've got Teddy Bluger as the first star. Kuzmenko will go with the second star nod. And again, I thought Mary Ferraro was among the best of the bunch on the other side for the San Jose Sharks. So those are the rink-wide Vancouver 
three stars of this hockey game. We'll get to the stat that stands out and some listener feedback as well. We've got more to chew on as the Canucks defeat the San Jose Sharks by a score of 7-4. to four. No more Sharks the rest of the way. And they're not going to see the Sharks in the playoffs. So they are done with the San Jose <laughs> Sharks for this season. They've had their fun. As we said, they win the season series three games to one. And Thatcher Demko, all he does is win against this San Jose hockey team. You'd say 11-0 and now, lifetime. Uh, yep. For the guy from Southern California, he certainly has owned the team uh, from the Bay Area. It is Jeff and Irf with you as we continue to break down this Canucks victory, their 23rd of the year. You're listening to Rinkwide Vancouver. Vancouver Canucks into their holiday break, and they go in happy as for their fans. The Canucks 7-4 winners over the Sharks. They are the top team in the National Hockey League with 49 points as we carry on here on Rinkwide Vancouver, brought to you by Betway. We're going to get to some of the listener feedback, and uh, we appreciate uh, everybody's contributions, not just on this episode, but all season long, and we look forward. There's still a lot of hockey, and we will be here after each and every Vancouver Canucks game the rest of the way in the regular season, and again, the way that they're headed uh, looks like we're going to get a chance to do the playoff edition of Rinkwide as well, and really looking forward to that. Uh, looking forward to seeing what the city is like when uh, it gets some playoff hockey to to sink its teeth into. Before we get to the listener feedback, though, we always do the stat that stands out. And for me, I, I think we just go with the record at the Christmas break of twenty three nine and three, just nine, just nine outright losses. Earth, they've left the building nine times in thirty five games where they haven't picked up a point in the standing, so they have 49 points. That certainly jumps out at me. We talk about the fact that they lead the league, not just in points, but you know, regulation wins are big as well, and that tracks back to that uh, you know tiebreakers and those types of things as uh, we work our way into the second half and the battle that they're in with both Vegas and the Los Angeles Kings. The Canucks have 49 points. The Rangers have 47. Vegas at 47 as well. Boston with 44. The Dallas Stars up to 44. Colorado at 44. And then you get to the Jets at 43. So that's the way the standings sit here at the holiday break. Beyond that, though, goals for the Canucks lead the National Hockey League by 10. It's not just that they lead the NHL. Yeah. They lead the NHL by 10 goals more than anybody else. Now, they've played more games than most teams, but still just the raw number, 135 goals for the Vancouver Canucks. 89 goals against, so they lead the NHL in goal differential as well. We talked about the home record. I mean, it really is mind-boggling. Like, I thought this was a team that was going to be improved from last year. I thought that those 36 games that Rick Tockett had uh, behind the bench would pay some dividends as he tried to instill his systems and structure and everything else, and they would hit the ground running. But I still thought, at the outset of the season, my prediction was that they would be right there around the playoff bar and I kind of agreed with Jim Rutherford that, you know, if things fell their way, that there was enough star power that that should carry them, that they could be a playoff team. But, like, not in my wildest <laughs> dreams. Like, I wish we could roll back time. And if somebody had had a crystal ball and told me that they were going to be the top team in the National Hockey League at Christmas, like, I, I just, I can't even imagine the look on my face. Like, I, I just would never have thought that the Vancouver Canucks were going to be in this position, but... Here they are, and uh, you know, playing 700 hockey. That is their point Crazy. percentage through 35 games. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been wild, but it has been fun. And as we said, they go into this break picking up points in nine straight games, 7-0-2. In their last nine, their last outright loss came to the New Jersey Devils, and that late loss to the Devils, but before that they had won in Calgary. So uh, their only outright loss in the month of December at home to the New Jersey Devils uh, better part of uh, three weeks ago. Uh, what a month it has been and really what a season it has been. And so, yeah, just their record and where they sit in the standings, those are all stats that stand out to me. All right, let's get to some listener feedback to our social channels at Rinkwide Van. Mitch says, I like how P.S. Suter is able to fit well on every line, really shows how smart a hockey player he is. I would agree with that. And it looked all right uh, playing alongside Elias Pettersson for a couple of games. Ideally not slotted to play that high in the lineup, but drops back down essentially into a fourth-line role, although his goal came playing with uh, Hughes and, and Besser. But still, there's that versatility that in a pinch, and again, this is a part of the Canucks story. Let's be honest here. They are completely healthy up front. Mm -hmm. And Carson Soucy's back skating, and yeah. he's going to be 
Rick Tockett said at the morning skate, not quite ready to join the team for practice, but I would think by the time they head out on that road trip that he'll probably be back practicing and maybe be an option to play again you know, in the first couple of games in January. So it's not going to last. There will be some bumps and bruises yeah. along the way, but right here, this is incredible. And that is a part of their story that, uh, you know, they've had some injuries. Don't get me wrong. Susie's been out a while. Suter and Bluger missed some time, but uh, right here, right now, they've got options. And the fact that they've got a guy like Suter who can slide in and, and look, I thought Suter would be back on that line with Garland and Joshua by now, uh, but the way Bluger is playing, I mean, you're not going to touch that. So Yeah, and I, I think I go back to that Ian Cole clip that, you know, he talked about and he rattled off some names of guys that, you know, have, have been performing well. And I think that something that we've looked at that this team was once a really big weakness for them has now become one of their biggest strengths is having that depth. And then also, if guys get hurt, you have the ability to, sorry, put Bluger or, or put Suter up there with JT Miller and then he obviously gets a goal. So I think just be having these guys be able to be so versatile and can play anywhere in the lineup. When you mentioned Jim Rutherford saying things falling into place, well, that's one of them. Yep. And that and the depth of this team right now is definitely, hasn't needed to be tested yet, but right now it looks pretty good. Uh, the G-Man says, I think it's a team they need this break, a lot of breakdowns tonight. Uh, yeah, we've talked about the schedule. It's been grueling, there's no doubt. Uh, 11 giveaways officially for the Canucks. Yeah. That's a huge number. You don't see numbers in the double digits in the giveaway column that often. But, I mean, I don't disagree with the stats keepers on this one. Putford O says, Demko was able to have an off night and still get the W with run support. Yeah, we talked uh, a little bit about that to Demko earlier, and I'd agree with that. I mean, if you're a goaltender on this Vancouver Hockey Club, uh, what a luxury to know that you're playing in, uh, behind the, the highest scoring team in the National Hockey League. And so if this was an off night, they still win running away. The second best Canucks captain is uh, the Twitter handle here. That was the worst seven-goal performance in Canuck history. I would have to go back through other seven-goal yeah. performances. Again, it, it wasn't pure by any stretch of the imagination against a, a last-place hockey club. But uh, in the end, they didn't let it slip away. They did what they had to do. They get the win. They keep the ball rolling here. And you know we'll see if they're better in their next outing against the Philadelphia Flyers. Super Daffy D says, stood out to me that if they continue to play like this, why wouldn't a first-round pick be in play for the right player at the trade deadline? And I do think that this is something this management group is going to have to consider, you know, with where they are in the standings. In theory, yeah. it's going to be late first-round pick. First round so. pick. Yeah, you might not get too, too much, but it could be, in theory, something that they'll look at. I mean, I know that they definitely still will be looking to improve this team. Uh, you know, there's obviously the holiday freeze right now and right. no one's making trades, but um, that doesn't mean that, you know, Patrick Alvin's not talking to other GMs just to kind of see what the waters are like and and testing those waters as as we head into, the, you know, the, the Christmas break here. Um, but yeah, I, I, if they end up wanting to make a move and the first round pick is in play, I, if the way that this team is going, like you just mentioned in the standings, if it's 20-something, then... At that point, do you really have you really want to hold on to that too too much, or do you want to try and make a run and see if you can not only get a player to help you push push the envelope this season, but it has to be for you know a, a, at least one or two more. When you look at what happened around the Canucks, we went through the standings a little bit earlier, but uh, the Los Angeles Kings defeat the Calgary Flames five to three, so regulation win for the Kings. At another night where the Flames get nothing, Colorado defeated Arizona 4-1. to Arizona is one of those teams right around the playoff bar, so a regulation loss for the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, I don't know, did you see what happened? Uh, there were two games that jumped out to me. St. Louis was down 5-2 to with 12 yeah. minutes to go and scored six on the Chicago Blackhawks. And I know the Blackhawks give up goals, but still, St. Louis scored six in the final 12 minutes on home ice to win by a score of 7-5. to The other crazy finish was Dallas and Nashville where, and the Canucks saw both of those teams uh, at the end of the road trip, Nashville on home ice had a 2-1 lead with 15 15. seconds to play. And Dallas tied it. And you're thinking, okay, going to overtime, three-point game, points will be exchanged here. And with four seconds left, 11 seconds after they had tied, Dallas scored to win it. And we saw Dallas come back to defeat the Canucks mm -hmm. with the late push the other night, and they do it here on the road. It, like, what a kick in the gut for the Nashville Predators. But for those other teams uh, in the Western Conference, they're all thrilled that it ended in regulation <laughs> and that it is just a two-point game and not a three-pointer. So 
yeah, I mean, the Canucks have separated themselves from the chase pack, certainly in the Pacific Division, but really in that Western Conference. And that's why we said that uh, you can start to really look at everything the Canucks do through a playoff prism because uh, the bottom would have to fall out and just uh, the way this team is going. Uh, I know that there are scarred Canuck fans and people don't uh, probably want to hear about the bottom falling out. I think this team is constructed differently. I think this team is looking to add and to get better after Christmas as opposed to just sit and treaded water. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it just, it's certain, all indications are that the playoff drought is going to come to an end. But ultimately, I mean, it's more heavy lifting. It's more hard work in front of the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, they have set themselves up, though, beautifully here with this performance through the first 35 games of the season. All right, before we're done here, who has been the best Canuck to this point in the season? Who's your guy? Who's my guy right now? Oof. Couldn't use for me. I mean, it's it's the easy, it's the safe and it's the easy answer, but every single time, Jeff, he touches the puck, it's like something's going to happen. And I think when you look at this team, there really is nobody else that has that it factor as much as, I mean... Quinn Hughes has that it factor around the National Hockey League, not just here in Vancouver, but it's definitely been Quinn Hughes. I mean, look, he's got the contract a while ago and he's named the captain of the team. There's obviously come some responsibility with that. They're entering a new, ushering in a new era of hockey and out with the old and the twins and, you know, their team. And this is now his team. These are now the guys that they're going to go forward with. And he's been nothing short of better than a leader, both on the ice and off the ice. So for me, it's definitely 43. I thought the last couple of weeks that the door had opened a little bit to bring others into discussion just again he had fallen from a pace that was <laughs> so incredible that it, there was no way he was going to stay at that pace but here we are at the Christmas break he is tied in points with Connor McDavid it's wild <laughs> now he's played a bunch more games than Connor McDavid but if you're just looking at the raw numbers Quinn Hughes is tied for fifth in NHL scoring with Pasternak Panarin McDavid, he's one point in front of Elias Pettersson here at the break and just a, a couple of points, four points back of JT Miller. So Quinn Hughes is second on the Canucks in scoring. He's tied for fifth in the league. JT Miller goes into this uh, short Christmas break, tied for third in the NHL behind only Nikita Kucherov and Nathan McKinnon. And there's old Elias Pettersson, almost the forgotten man in all of this, 43 points. So he is ninth in NHL scoring. The Canucks have three yeah. guys in the top 10 of the National Hockey League Scoring Derby. And it's funny because, you know, if you ask Quinn Hughes or, or Elias Pettersson or even JT Miller, you know, all the other guys are getting the attention. And, you know, Connor McDavid's going to get the attention. Nikita Kucherov is going to get the attention. Austin Matthews is going to get the attention. I don't think they care. They, I think they're totally fine with it. I think that they're doing their thing. They're happy playing at 7 o'clock on the West Coast when nobody else is watching out East. And then they wake up, people wake up in the morning, oh, Quinn had three points. PD had two and one. You know, JT Miller's up there again doing his thing. So I think the Canucks are very comfortable with, I don't want to say being the underdog because they're the top dog right now, but flying under the radar and just being one of those teams where people are now starting to get scared to play against because they are that good. And Brock Besser. Uh, just, oh, yeah. uh, Forgot about him. <laughs> exactly. But uh, 24 goals, only Austin Matthews uh, with more. Matthews did it again uh, with two more on Saturday against uh, Columbus. So Matthews at 28 at the break, Besser at 24. And Brock Besser, better than a point-a-game player here, 38 points through his first 35 games. So it's been an incredible season for him. It's been an incredible season for the Vancouver Canucks. It's been so much fun to do this on a nightly basis after each and every one of these games. And as we said, can't wait. Uh, to do it uh, for the remaining 47 in the regular season, and then it certainly looks like there's going to be some rink wides to do after that as well. Erf, it's been great to get you on board. Yeah, and it's been uh, fun. Yeah, it has. So we've had some uh, terrific nights here to, to break down and discuss uh, everything around this Vancouver Canuck Hockey Club. Again, we do it because we have the support of the listeners, and uh, we love the feedback and the fact that uh, you're out there waiting for uh, each new episode to drop. So, uh, again, thank you for your support here in the first half of... This hockey season, uh, it's a little holiday break for all of us. We'll be back to do it after the Canucks take on the Philadelphia Flyers on December 28th. But uh, in the meantime, enjoy some downtime with uh, your loved ones, your family, your friends. Uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. The Vancouver Canucks defeat the San Jose Sharks by a score of 7-4 to for Earth. This is Jeff. Thanks so much for listening. Again, Merry Christmas from Brinkwide Vancouver.